I feel like giving up. Almost every day, in fact, not all day of course, but there are moments. My bet is that you have those moments too. If you are the kind of high achieving, goal oriented person who finds herself reading a book like this, you're probably used to running into obstacles. Professional obstacles, personal obstacles, even obstacles related to personal fitness or winning board games. Most of the time, we deal with the obstacles by persevering. Sometimes we get discouraged and turn to inspirational writing, like stuff from Vince Lombardi. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. Bad advice. Winners quit all the time. They just quit the right stuff at the right time. That's a short introduction to the book The Dip by Seth Goding. I'm Andy Rowe. And this is the Rebel Road Podcast, episode 12. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. This week, it feels like the podcast has a slightly different flavour in terms of my guest, um, Des from the Music Marketing Academy. What I always wanted to do with this podcast was to talk to creative people Uh, musicians, artists, photographers, but also try and work out the best way that I could bring uh, entertainment and value to people. And what I think you will hear in this conversation with Des is uh, some real practical tips that if you're a musician, you could be using to get your music out into the world, to use the social media as a storytelling platform, how to engage with people about your craft, um, so yeah, we talk about our love, our shared love of Seth Goding, um, but you get huge, huge, huge amount of practical advice from Des. Um, he's the star of the show on this one, really. Um, but also, I think it has to be taken into account that he's just a force for good. He does all this for nothing. He gives advice away for free, um, and he's just trying to help because of his love of music. So I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Des from Music Marketing Academy. So, welcome Des to the Rebel Road Podcast. Andy, thank you so much. Um, you know, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me onto the podcast. It's going to be great, I think. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, I've been following for a few months the uh, Music, Music Marketing Academy. I just love everything about your thesis and what you put out. Um, so, thank you very much. Kindly, you, put your, you said yes, and hopefully I'll get to learn a bit more about you. And we yeah some value to people who want to listen or watch or absolutely so, absolutely I'm, I'm ready for it <laughs> i've been starting off this year or the 10 episodes I've done so far by asking 2020 how has it been for you because <laughs> it's been a bit of a strange year it has yeah i mean i'll just give you some context to give you a little bit of background of me um i've got a, an e-commerce agency where we help e- e-commerce companies with their marketing that's kind of like a day job um and it's been really good actually. And I, I hate to say that, but because of the pandemic, uh, everybody's purchasing things online. They don't want to go out to the shops. Um, so yeah, the, the business has just exploded and a lot of my clients are doing really, really well. So I know it's not a great time and it's not a nice thing to say, but there are some companies that do well and others that don't, unfortunately, but with e-commerce it's, it's done really well. So 
yeah, it's just growing. And I've yeah. seen it's, we're coming up to a busy period now. So, yeah, it's just going to keep rocketing, I think. Peak. Peak Q4. Yeah. Q4. Yeah, as you know, <laughs> it's the busiest out, time. Yeah. yeah, it's the busiest time ever now. So it's a case of just obviously just, you know, lining up all your ducks, you know, make sure they're in the row and, uh, yeah, and start, start marketing. Cool. And so if, we, if you were ever going to do an origin story of Des, episode one of the comic, <laughs> what's, your origin, <laughs> what is it, what's your origin story? Where, if you go back a bit further. Yeah, um, I won't go back all the way because it, it'll, it'll be too long. Uh, but I've done a lot of things. The main thing is I had uh, my own property management company that I used to uh, manage uh, and rent properties out for landlords. We used to buy investment properties abroad, used to buy investment properties here in the UK. And we used to source properties for them as well. I did that for uh, quite a few years sold that business and then went into the sales game so i sold anything from mobile phones to sofas to beds to kitchens uh even sold carpets i've, I've sold pretty much everything and then i had my own cleaning company which we grew and that's kind of where my love of marketing came in really because when you have your own business you literally have to do your own marketing you know, there isn't anybody sitting there going to do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. So as a self-employed person, that's what I had to do. I had to learn marketing from, you know, from, from the start to the finish, really. And I suppose it's morphed into lots of different things. And I, I suppose that's what's, that's, that's what's given me the experience of um, what I do now. And yeah. it's, the journey has been great. It's been fantastic. And I, and I, you know, all the things I've done have led me up to this point. So, yeah. Do you, do you think that make, makes you a creative person? Do you feel yourself as a creative person? Um, creative in writing content and producing marketing strategies, that sort of thing. Um, I am a musician as well. I do play the bass guitar, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah not very well. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, not creative in that sort of way. Obviously, I love music, obviously, but I'm not, I'm not that creative in music, I would say. But in the, the whole marketing sort of thing, that's what I eat, sleep and breathe. One of the things I'm interested in is the idea that uh, people are creative in business or, or taking one idea and applying it to something else, uh, creative thinking. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like we're, we're kind of talking about the same sort of thing in terms of I, going from retail <laughs> and understanding buying and then wanting to move that into something that I'm passionate about. Uh, sure. Music, not your passion about music. And have you always been passionate about music? Always, yeah. Yeah, from a very early age. Obviously, you, you listen to what your, your mum and dad are playing on the radio and on the record player. What's and um, I've been a lot of um, like old R&B, yeah. you know, a lot of Motown. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's, there's a lot of uh, Jamaican influence. My parents are Jamaican. So a lot of reggae, a lot of um, Calypso, Soca. Um, so yeah, a lot of lot of influence. Obviously, as I got older, I started morphing off into my own sort of genre of music and started getting into rap and more UK soul as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of Americans probably won't have heard a lot of the artists, but yeah, I used to listen to a lot of UK soul when I was younger. So yeah, I was, I was a grunge kid in Bristol. Oh, was you? <laughs> Somebody's got to be. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah. my musical journey was kind of yeah my parents liking Dire Straits and all that sort of stuff and my, I was oh really I was obsessed with Michael Jackson um, 
and then I moved on to Algerian metal and rock. And then once I ended up working at Virgin Megastore, you could borrow albums. And all my friends from ran different sections. I looked at the metal section, they looked at the hip hop or funk or soul or classic. Wow. And I just take it home and just take it all in. Yeah, because you've your um your musical taste is quite wide and vast, isn't it? What you're into. Yeah, yeah. it's quite crazy. Because it was very narrow for so long. And then <laughs> and then I always used to think people say, Well, I like anything. We're like just lazy. It was like, no, I didn't like anything. <laughs> it's just got to have a spark in it. Don't be that hip hop, be that like extreme metal. It's got to have something different to it. And that's why I'm starting to talk to bands the last few weeks. It's been really nice. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, just going on a little bit further, touching on what you, you asked me earlier. Um, I'm not traditionally from a music marketing background, as you know, I'm from e-commerce, but yeah. my, my skills are a little bit different and I come at things from a different angle. Yeah. So it's, it's quite, Quite refreshing, and the the approach that I've come at come at it is very different from marketers. So I'm getting a lot of attention. I have I haven't actually been around that long on the scene. Um, we we started the account back in May 2020. Yeah. So it's not that long at all. You're talking what coming five months now. Yeah. So, but the good thing is the the growth has been phenomenal. We've got a lot of engagement on Twitter, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and obviously I can touch a bit on uh, about that if you want to later on in the podcast, yeah, but we've been able to uh, grow the Twitter account quite quickly. I think we just reached over 10K, 10,000 followers. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. So we're quite proud of that. Yeah. And um, so what do you think's driven that? Um, secret sauce, really. Uh, I literally give as much as I can and give and I'm not looking for anything in return I know it yeah. sounds really cliche but it, it works you know um, I give advice where I can if somebody sends me a, a DM and asks a question I'll answer it you know I'll answer it fully um, and if I can't answer it I'll tell them I can't answer it um, yeah. a lot of people I mean obviously you know as you know I tweet a lot yeah um, I can't give a full answer in 280 characters yeah. so I always try and recommend you can either DM me and I'll try and give you as fullest answers as I can, or join me in my private Facebook group, which is a, probably a better platform to answer their question, because obviously there's a lot of content in there away from Twitter. Um, I, can, I can give a lot more detailed answer to their question in a, in a private forum. So that's what I, I recommend. So in, in May 2020, what led you to want to do MMA? That that's a really good question. What happened was, uh, I can't name the artist, but an artist approached me because obviously they knew I was in marketing and they wanted me to help them launch one of their tracks. And that's where it all started, really. Um, I just applied what I knew from the e-commerce world and it worked brilliantly. It, it you know, it wasn't, it, the way you market a product is very similar to how you market an artist. Yeah. Um, the way you approach it, the launch, you, obviously you know about launching things um, from your career, but the launch process is very similar. It starts several months beforehand um, and you just, um, yeah, you, you put all the things in place, you, um, you have a strategy in place and then you, and then you launch. It's as simple as that. Whereas, I think what happens is these days, a lot of artists, they don't do any sort of launch process at all. They just uh, finish their track and then it start, start running around like headless chickens trying to promote it, 
which is fine, but it's not very uh, efficient. <laughs> um, and you don't, you don't actually manage to build up any momentum, um, which is what you really need to do if you're going to launch a track or an EP or an album. So how would you describe it? Because I always call it the thesis. I'm, I'm influenced by Gary Vee, so I call it a thesis. All right, yeah, yeah. I think mo anybody that's into marketing is probably influenced a little bit by Gary, just a teeny bit. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of uh, Seth Godin. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you've heard of Seth Godin I at all. Godin. I have at least eight of his books that I continually read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, sorry. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've read all these books. Um, and uh, Kevin Kelly, I don't know if you've heard of Kevin yeah, Kelly at the, all. Thousand True Fans. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's lots of marketers, but those two are where I, that they're my core principles, really. Yeah. I, I believe in building a tribe. So not trying to go after everyone. If you've got a, a lane, stick in your lane and market to those people that would be interested in whatever you're trying to sell. Um, and just try and do the best job possible, really, for, for those that, that small crowd. You're not trying to market and promote to everybody. You just want a no. small little snippet, small little percentage of those people. But what you do is you craft your music, you craft your message, you, you craft all of your content to serve that small group of people. Yeah. Uh, and that's where a lot of artists go wrong, if I'm honest, Andy. They, they don't craft their music, they don't craft their content for their followers. Yeah. You really, and, and that's where they go wrong on social media. So they'll post whatever they want to post and they'll treat the account like it's a personal account, which is fine. But if you're looking to grow a following, if you're looking to grow your, your tribe, you need to serve them. Yeah. Um, and I've mentioned that a lot on Twitter and I get a lot of blowback from it. So I'll keep doing it. But I, you know, I get a lot of people that aren't happy with what I say regarding that. So it's just one of those things. So one of the most interesting things I, I, when I found the account was that I was so I felt so in tune with you. Obviously, it sounds like we have some similar kind of influences in terms of I love Seth Godin. Everyone work looks at me. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> but, um, just the idea of taking those I, those thoughts and applying it to something as personal as music. You sometimes like yeah, I've only done five interviews. You can sometimes already feel them that they're thinking. Why are you talking Martin's language about my products? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But it's almost, I think, from work, being able to stand one step back from that and just to realize that you want someone's attention and you want to solve their problem and you're going to have to engage with them. <laughs> it's really Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I, I'll be honest, and I'm not going to lie to you, Andy. My main problem is, is I know too much. Um, I can't, because I know so much, I can't. Uh, release it in front of everybody all at the same time because it would just yeah. be too much and they just it would just go over their heads so I have to kind of break things down in really basic terms in order to convey a message and try and um, get people motivated because if I went really deep into what I know uh, it will just I'll lose I'll lose too many people yeah you know so I when you see my tweets I try and keep it as basic as possible and I try and keep it action orientated as well so things that give people um, an idea of what they can do and then um, they take it from there. If they, if they're unsure, they can ask me a question and I'll answer it. And what have some, been some of the highlights in the last three, four, five months of, of starting your new account and talking to artists as, as a outside of obviously gaining a following pretty quickly. Mm. Is there any other highlights that you can think of? 
Oof, there's been a few, Andy. Uh, I, uh, I'm a bit, um, how should I put it? I, I'm very goal orientated. So I write down my goals every single day. Uh, I know people are flinching at the moment when they hear that, but I, I do. Um, so I write that, down my goals every day and I've got targets for myself to hit. And one of the first things I wanted to do was grow the Twitter account. Um, I wanted a private Facebook group, which I set up about four weeks after I set up the account, uh, started the podcast, started the YouTube channel. And um, yeah, and it's, it's going really well. Um, I think I reached about a thousand people on Instagram within a few weeks as well. So it, a lot of things. Um, and, and it hasn't been easy because it's not my full-time job. It's yeah. a part-time thing like, you know, like what you do. Uh, I have actually got a full-time job and I can only do these things um, in the evenings and weekends when I've got a bit of free time. Yeah. But what helps that, and we can probably go into that a bit later if we've got time, is I schedule a lot of content ahead of time. So I use scheduling yeah. tools. I don't use all of those, I don't use those tools for everything, but I, if there's a day that I know I can't really be on social media as much as I would like to, I will schedule content ahead of time uh, and then come back in in the evening and answer questions and comments yeah, as you've seen. You talk about that on the podcast, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, and again, a lot of artists and musicians don't realize you can do that. Um, but what it allows them to do is it allows them to um, schedule content ahead of time. So it gives them time in the week to do their music because that's what they want to do. No, no artist wants to sit there writing content on social media every day. You know, cool, you know, of course you don't. But if you schedule content, content ahead of time, you can then just jump in whenever you want. If somebody's uh, responding to a, a, um, one of your tweets, for example, you don't need to get back to them straight away. But whenever you can, if, whether it's lunchtime or, you know, you, you just finished work, jump on Twitter, on your phone, answer questions. And yeah, it just makes life a lot easier. And outside of the time restraints, has there been any big challenges that you didn't expect when you started this? Um, I didn't realise how hard it was for musicians. Um, it, it comes quite easy to me, marketing, but for musicians, all they want to do is make music. Yeah. And the if if, the, if we're talking them on a scale of zero to 100 percent they'd want to be doing music 99 percent and marketing one percent um they not it's not that they don't want to do marketing it's just they'd rather be making music which is fair enough but and what i would say is if they're looking to go full-time they're gonna have to wear several hats yeah and that's i didn't realize I knew what they needed to do, but I didn't realize how hard it was going to be for them, I suppose. And it's only really those that are really passionate and really want to make a go of it that actually do. And that, that, that percentage is very small. It's tiny. There's a, there's a difference between those that want to do it and those that will just do anything to do it. The, the, the percentage is tiny. So what, what do you feel like is the general understanding from bands, singers out there about what is, what is available to them? in terms of social media networks, in terms of tools that you can use, in terms of what um, from the I think, you interact with? Yeah, if I'm being honest, I think the younger crowd, um, the younger demographic, they get it a lot more, obviously, yeah. because obviously they've grown up with it. It's a lot harder for uh, a musician that's getting older in age to know how to use TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and know how to use them all together. Uh, whereas what I found is the younger generation coming through, it, they've taken to it like, you know, duck to water. Yeah. 
Um, they might not, they do it, but they might not do it the right way, but they are doing it. And what I will suggest is if you're going to try a social media platform, try all of them, see yeah. which one you prefer, and then double down on the one that you, that you like and the one that you find is, is working the best. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because um, I said before we started recording that I'm, I'm loving doing podcasts. And I don't even mind if they're recording a pub and it's noisy. <laughs> and Fox Shaw was really cool about it. They wanted it to be noisy because they're slightly crazy. <laughs> after every conversation, I'm so buzzing. And I don't mind putting it out there for people to listen. I know sometimes you get 60, 70, 80 listeners. And it just, I just love it because I'm talking to interesting people about something I'm interested in. Exactly. And, and if, if that's the case, I think you should do more of it. Definitely. And these, these, uh, these ones, these Zoom calls are brilliant because obviously you've got the video part of it and you've also got the audio part as well. And what you can do, if you're an artist and you wanted to start a podcast, for example, and you did what we're doing now, yeah. you have the ability to cut it up into sections. So you don't yeah. need to, you can release the whole podcast and you can use it as video content and then you can cut up the the video and the audio part of it and then post it separately on separate days or separate months even. In and that's how you, so in, in absolute practicality, what, what programs do you use for that? Is there, um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a massive editing buff. Um, I use either Camtasia or Filmora nine. Um, but you know, if I was a, into it big time, I'd probably use Adobe, but because I'm not, I just use the, the smaller platforms really. Yeah. Um, and for my design, I'm, I'm useless at design. So I use Canva yeah. uh, to do all my designs. And that's really easy. It is literally just uh, pick a template, drag it across, put in a few things and then publish. That's yeah, pretty much what it is. Place it and stuff like that. Um, You're using what, sorry? Is it called Place It? Where you can make up like oh. models and stuff and okay. your own flyers and your own uh, Pinterest stories and stuff. Right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I've never used it. It's good, is it? It seems pretty good. As I said, I'm learning all this stuff. I haven't put a lot out with it yet, massively. Okay. Um, but it's, like you say, it's a, it's a learning thing, isn't it? And what you- yeah. And the good thing is with Canva, it's, it's free. It's, you know, well, it's got a free plan. So yeah. if you want to get started with it and you're struggling to do graphic design, sign up for the free plan and you can, you can do a lot, a lot of the designs that you I see really that like, I, uh, I, really I post. I like the stuff you put out, but I think it's because what you're saying is valuable rather than what it looks like. And I think oh, thank when, you. We're, when we're talking about influences and Gary V, for me, is always everyone would stop and worry about everything instead of the value you're bringing rather than... So I have friends who want to start podcasts who are still thinking about the concept and you could be 10 or 12 or 15 episodes in before anyone even starts because they've overthought it rather than just going, I've got a phone, I'm going to meet someone. Gonna... Yeah, and I, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm bad at that as well, Andy. I, I really should do more of that, and I don't. Um, I'm actually quite a, a, a massive input. I don't, I'm not used to actually just grabbing my phone and start recording and then posting it. It's not something that comes naturally to me, but I yeah. should do more of it because in this world now, it, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be polished. No. You just need to get content out, especially if you're a musician. Yeah, that's another thing I found actually going back to your last question, if you don't mind. Um, what surprised me, and I did a poll, um, I think it was about two months ago, and I asked musicians, do they feel comfortable about being in front of the camera? And the vast majority of them feel really uncomfortable being in front of the camera. And it shocked me. I was, yeah, 
flabbergasted. I, I really, I, I just didn't realise how, how bad it was. So they're okay if they're doing like a music video, for example, it's all scripted and stuff, but to actually pull out their phone and talk to the camera and just talk, not sing or anything, the vast majority of them feel really uncomfortable doing that. I had to force myself to do it. I'm, really? I'm, I'm like a very shy person. You know, it never <laughs> comes across as shy because I've had to go to conferences and give a talk to 100 people. And I'm, but then I, I, I would make, I would change it. <laughs> I don't know what I'd, I would change it 10 minutes beforehand and I'd be way better than, but it's not, it's not like my natural wow. thing is to be out there. I the sure. idea that I'm going to Bristol and meeting random people and talking about stuff. <laughs> so out of my comfort zone but maybe that's why i love it so much yeah no i mean you've obviously faced your fears and uh, you've done it so yeah that's great yeah so um and have you picked up much about the music industry in freed was it five months you said um i have industry yeah not as much as i would like like to have done if i'm honest um obviously you've seen or you've probably um I think you saw the first interview I did with Jeff Ojeda from Phase yeah. Management. If anything, I've probably learned more talking to him personally than I have uh, just being online. Um, the information in the music industry is a little bit hidden. Yeah. It's not until you actually speak to music executives and music professionals that you, you realise there's a lot going on under, underneath. Yeah. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot more going on underneath than you realise. Yeah. And... And the vast majority of it is all about networking. It's right. who you know and can they put you onto somebody else and can they put you onto somebody else? There's a lot of networking in music. And if you're a musician and you want to get somewhere, you need to be doing a lot of networking. Hell of a lot. Interesting. Uh, I always say, um, obviously Twitter's my preferred uh, platform for social media. And I always recommend that people, especially artists, they're looking for collaborations is to, is to actually get to know them first, converse, um, have conversations, jump into their conversations for about two, three months, and then ask them for a collaboration. Once they do that collaboration, it leads on to other collaborations, which leads on to other collaborations. You, you get to know different people, different musicians, different producers. It's, it's putting yourself out there. And I don't see that enough and it's again, it's that shyness thing, like you, yeah. like you said, it's a shyness thing. But if they want to be successful, if they want to get their music heard and get and be out there, they need to do collaborations and do a lot of networking. Yeah. Cool. Um, so if we went really practical, really practical, what would be uh, three to five of, of your top tips you would, you would give to artists and musicians about social media? Um, it's going to sound really, really boring. Um, but the first thing is goal setting. And I know a lot of people hate that, but it, it really is goal setting, set goals. Because if you write your goals down and you set your goals, then it gives you, it gives you kind of like a North Star, something to hit. Whereas if you don't set a goal, it kind of gives you, you give yourself an excuse not to hit anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Um, whereas if it's written down, you're kind of, you're kind of like accountable to yourself. Um, and what I like to do is I like to have one big goal and then have several smaller goals leading up to it, but everything's pointing towards that main goal. And I like to think if I'm doing something in the day, is what I'm doing um, going towards that goal? So if you say, for example, you want to get a thousand followers, for example, on, on Twitter, just, yeah. just an example, you set that goal, but all you'd have to work out all the little actions before that. What can I do in order to achieve that? and have that as your as your main goal so i was listening to you talk about that earlier about 
how to get followers. That was interesting. So again, I I'm, don't feel like I'm skilled in that at all. But you were sort of right. following other people. Um, and in, obviously, I get the engaging thing. So engaging with people as well. I've, I've picked up followers. I don't have huge numbers. But you were saying like following other people that are in your sort of area. And they're, is that so they're following you back? Yeah. Um, again, it's going to sound really geeky, but I'm a, I'm a big Elon Musk fan. Uh, I don't, nobody really knows that because I don't really talk about it a lot on my account, but I'm a big Elon Musk fan. And one of the principles is called first principles. And I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I don't know if you've heard of that before. No, but I, it's like a, it, I like Elon Musk and him. On okay, good. <laughs> it's pretty um, I'm a, he approaches things from a physics standpoint. So you, you use what we call first principles. So you, you break everything down to their truths and then you reason up from there. Wow. And what what i what i would do is if i was a musician and i want to get my music out there i would say to myself where where are my fans where are they hanging out that's the very first thing you need to look for if you think about it logically if the, if you've got um a peer uh, another artist that's a notch up from you and they're doing really well it it goes to reason that it stands to reason that your fans are probably their fans as well yeah if that makes sense yeah. so if if your fans are their fans all you need to do is jump into their conversations as long as you can offer value as long as you can give a comprehensive comment um, and as long as you're posting regularly and consistently on your your uh, twitter account or your social media account some of those fans will become your fans yeah. and that's kind of looking at things from a first um first principles point of view so that's what i would do as a musician i know i know this isn't what we're talking about but if you are looking to increase your following it is that way is actually posting a lot of content and following a lot of people and more more uh, specifically people in the same genre of music as you yeah because there's always this been this i think it must be a made-up thing that you see big accounts don't follow loads of people that's not true is it no it's not i'll tell you what i'll tell you what happens is if you if you've got a favorite artist and you comment on every single thing they put out and it's comprehensive and it's really good, yeah. they will follow you. Yeah. It's simple, as simple as that because they want a lot of people to comment on their content. And if they find one person or a few people that will, are always commenting, always um, suggesting, always giving value, they will follow you and they will get to know who you are pretty quick, especially if you're, if you're doing it every single day, yeah. they will get to know you very quickly. There's, there's some people on my account, for example, as soon as they come up, I know exactly who they are. I know what they, track they bought out last month. I know when they're going to the studio. I know all of that because they keep coming onto my account and we, we keep talking. Yeah. yeah. Have, you found, have you found new music? Yeah, loads. Absolutely loads. I, I listen to as much as I can. I don't listen to as much as I'd like, but I listen to, especially uh, a lot of people in my, my group, I listen to all of their music and where I can, I'll promote them as well. Um, but yeah, I found a lot of music over the last you know, four or five months. It's been great. It's always exciting. Like, I think the new music in 2020 has been really good. Oh, it's been yeah. excellent. It's been fantastic. And it, listen, I, it's really hard for musicians. It's hard to have a full-time job, yeah. find time to go to the studio, find time to write, find time to record, find time to edit. And then at the very end, they've got to market it. It's, it's difficult. It's really hard. Um, I feel for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, I'm, I, I, we've probably gone a, a little bit away from what we were 
you know we, we're going to talk about but hopefully hopefully you don't mind hopefully i'm trying to i'm trying to give as much value and content as i can in this small time that we've we've got here today oh, that's absolutely cool i say uh, the, the main thing for me is trying to find ways to give value to anyone listening to it in terms of tips in terms of where to start mm. uh in terms of like, i think we probably touched it but particular platforms and your advice was that you should try them all yeah i say try them all because they're free yeah um, i come from an a to market anything, you probably remember this as well. Um, and you could only go local. If you wanted to go national, it'll cost you an absolute fortune. Yeah. So I've kind of grown up through social media and I don't take it for granted. I, I realize it's a free platform, it's free to play. And I know if you post content uh, on there today, somebody in South Africa, somebody in Australia, somebody in India can see it. Your, your content, is spread far and wide and while it's free make good use out of it so i i always um try and recommend everybody try all the platforms see which one they prefer and then just double down on the one they like or the one that's given them the most uh, traction excellent um and you know you're talking about your goals what do you ultimately want to achieve with music marketing academy yeah it's kind of um i the main goal is to try and help as music, as many musicians as I can um, become full-time musicians. So when I say full-time, being able to leave their job and make a full-time income from it, which is entirely possible. It's not easy, but it's entirely possible. And that's the main goal. And I've got the keys. I think I've got the strategy in place to help them do that as long as they're willing to put in the hard work. Um, but that that's the main goal of the academy. Um, I haven't been able to do as much as I have done over these last few months. Obviously, I've got a full-time job. Yeah. But when the academy is up and running and I start running courses, um, it will teach a lot of the strategies that will help them do that, become exactly. full-time. Exactly. And that's kind of the main aim. It is. And, uh, will it become full-time for you one day? Uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, one day. Um, we'll see. I'm a person that likes to have my fingers in many different pies, so yeah. we'll see. Um, one of the first things I need to do um, before I launch the academy properly is um, one thing I realised a lot of musicians have trouble with is launching. So I need to yeah. produce a really basic piece of software where they can kind of, it's like a checklist. So all the things that they need to do, they can just check off. Um, I'm in talks with a, um, a software developer now just to get the basic version of that done. Um, but that's the, one of the first things because speaking to the guys in my forum, that's one of the things that they have problem with is that actually knowing what to do and when to do it. So if they've got a nice little checklist, that will really help them. So launch a track or launch an album. Yeah. It, yeah. For example, it, it starts three months beforehand. Um, you need to start knowing what sort of content you're going to put out. You need to know the sort of banners you're going to have on your, um, on your social media platforms. You need to have an email list. So you need to email your, your fans to let them know what's happening. You need to post on, I mean, there's, there's so many different elements, yeah. but it sounds, it sounds like a lot, but if you've got a structured way of uh, implementing that, it's a lot easier. But at the moment with musicians, it's a lot of this, a lot of doing lots of different things. And it's not really, um, it's not really that effective. And it's not very efficient. And do you see going into music for a second, do you see mm. that albums, albums will continue? Do you think that um, there's this idea that people should be putting out as much music as possible? Um, which I think you've spoken about before, because I know it's something that 
some of the hip hop guys in America are doing, which is putting out 150 songs a year, or if they just have some rough ideas, they put the rough ideas out. And do you, do sure. you much noise from that? Because the, the guys I've talked to seem to think they're putting out something unpolished, unfinished, whereas the the kind of the Gary Vee version of it was, imagine if John Lennon put out the first few cards of Cause of Action <laughs> and said, I think this might go somewhere, and you watched him make the song. Yeah. Is, do you see that music is changing in terms of singles versus albums? I think it is changing, but I think you can mould it to whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, because I'm a student of Seth Godin, I know if you've got a small crowd of people that are interested in your music, um, I think you should still go the album route, still go the EP route, definitely. Um, because a, a lot of your money is made as a musician through streaming, but there's a hell of a lot made through things like merchandise sales, which is again, something that a lot of musicians don't touch on. But if you've, if you've built a, a small crowd that are very loyal, they will purchase everything from you. Yeah. Um, I'm in contact with a band called City Lights. I don't know if you've heard of them before. Them, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I speak to them quite a lot and they're one of the bands that do really well with merchandise. Right. Uh, if, if anything, they make just as much money from the streaming as they do the merchandise. So it's, they've got a, ph- a phenomenal model and it kind of just proves that if you look after your fans um, and you, you put out content that they want to hear and you cater to them specifically, you do really well. There's no, I don't see the point in trying to bring out as many tracks as you can because the quality is not going to be there. Yeah. Um, I think you should just bring out quality music and just look after your fans. I know it sounds really simple, but that's how I would personally do it. It's and it, I, quite simple. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I would do it through um, having an email list or your, your own little database. Yeah. So basically what you're doing is you're using social media to collect emails. Yeah. So in, I've got a Twitter course, and in that course I teach people to, in the top of their bio, have a link there which takes people to either a landing page or a website where they can collect emails. From there, they have their own little private Facebook group or a, a private group or forum. Yeah. And then they can ask their fans and get feedback from them what they thought of the last EP, what they thought of the last track, what do you think of this track? You, do you know what I mean? You have a more of an intimate conversation with yeah. a small group of people. And if you do that, if you communicate with them, they'll buy everything, anything that you're putting out. Yeah. It's one of my favorite bands, a band called The Wild Hearts. Okay. Wild no, I haven't actually. Um, they're kind of a mix between ABBA and Motorhead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I think that the, one of the reasons why I bring that up is interesting that about 10 years ago, um, what, what was it called where you could pay to be, um, it was a company that went bust eventually. Uh, what's it called? We could pay money to like almost fan fund. Right. So you could fan fund anyway, when they, when they did that, when Ginger the singer did his first ever fan fund thing, because he built up such a career with his band. I think he made like a hundred thousand pounds for recording or some wow. crazy number. But what he did was that if you pre-ordered and paid, um, similar to Patreon, mm. if, you paid, if you paid 30 pounds, you get a triple CD access to recording uh, video diary. Then when the one that came out in the shop was 10, 10 of the songs, the other 20 you would never get. And the thing they brought out was limited. And wow. Was just, it was so long ago now, but that was quite forward thinking in a way because I can imagine bands doing that where you release, or if you're part of my group or you're part of my Patreon, you get a double album. Yeah, yeah. and that's what fans are looking for. Yeah, yeah that's what fans are looking for. Um, and then if it's in the shops, you get them the every 
the 999 version HMV might sell, but the fan feels special. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not in touch with them, but there's a lot of artists that use Patreon. Yeah. And they use that in conjunction with Bandcamp. Um, so they're not even really making most of their money from streaming. They're making music, they're making money from physical uh, items. Um, and you can only do that if you've, you've got a fan base, you know, a, a loyal fan base. If you're just looking to put your music out on Spotify and just try and get as many streams as possible, it's, you're not going to be able to do it. It needs to be going back to what I said in actually building a small tribe of your own yeah. and serving them. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things with loyal fans. It has to hit you in the heart, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to know what's going on. Yeah, and also going live as, as much as possible as well. Um, again, it's just something that a lot of artists are scared to do, uh, which, again, completely blows my mind. But if they went live more often, I don't, and I don't mean live for like hours and then like a, a concert or something, but just maybe a, a, a quick 10, 15 minutes, um, tell your fans you're going to go live. You're gonna, um, you've got a few ideas for a next track that's coming up. What do you think of it? Doing all those sort of things really helps you as a musician, really helps you go towards the goal if you want to become full-time. But it is a case of crafting most of what you do around what your, what your fans are looking for. Really interesting. Is there, is there anything else that you would put on your top top radar for people who are, who are getting into music as we, as we speak? Um, build your own email list. That's the top of the list. Yeah, that's top I, of the list. I used to learn to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's top of the list, mate. I'll tell you what it is. Um, the social media platforms are really fickle and they can ban your account at any time. And if you've got 2,000 followers on a, a particular social media account and your account gets restricted or, you, or they ban you, how are you going to get in touch with all those people that you were in touch with before? It's impossible. Yeah. So the main goal needs to be building your own email list and communicating with that email list um, at least once a week just to let them know what's going on. Um, it also helps as well. The reason why a lot of artists don't do well when they launch a track or when they release a track is they don't build any momentum. Yeah. And an, an email list helps that because what you can do is you can, you can take them on the journey um, every step of the way of when you start writing to when you're recording to when you actually release and you can email them each week and tell them where you are in that in that scale of on that yeah. process and then when you launch you can do what you mentioned earlier which is a pre-save on something like Spotify or on Bandcamp and you can make quite a bit of money before you've even launched the track yeah but yeah that's my top number one tip the second one um is posting content for your fans instead of just posting it for yourself. 99% um, of musicians use their social media accounts like it's their own personal account. And again, I, I would say there's nothing wrong with that, but if you, if you want to be really, really personal, have two accounts. Yeah. Um, have one that's personal and have one that's literally just for your music. Um, people are on, I'll give you an example, I'll give you a stat. Um, the average the person that's on Twitter is on there on average about three minutes a day. Right. So they're not going to be on your account for three minutes. They're going to be scrolled in and doing whatever, you know, looking on different accounts and stuff. So when they come to your account, it needs to be hard hitting. And I always tell people, you've probably heard me say this before, if, if possible on something like Twitter is put a video file, which is an MP4 file at the very top of their Twitter feed. So as soon as I land on your account, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what I'm getting. And 
it will, it will get my interest. But if I go into your account and I'm scrolling and I can't find any music of yours, I'm going to bounce. I'm going to go somewhere else and find music elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah, those two, one of those are the two main things really is to post content for your fans or your followers and grow your email list aggressively. Brilliant. And uh, where's, the, where's the best place to interact with you? Twitter? Uh, yeah, I'm on all platforms actually, but yeah, Twitter and um, uh, I'm on Facebook obviously at Music Marketing A. I'm on Instagram, um, but I spend most of my time, I've got a private Facebook group which is called The Music Marketing Academy and a lot of the things that I post in there, I don't post elsewhere. So if, if you want to learn more about music marketing, that's probably the best place to, to, to be really, if I'm honest. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty much done. <laughs> okay, that went quick. It's been else? great. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, is there anything else I want to talk about? Yeah, um, Instagram stories. Yeah. Talking social media, by the way. Um, Instagram stories, I don't see musicians use it enough. And Instagram stories is a way you can tell your story um, to your fans. Um, I recommend using it at least three times a day. So in the morning, at lunchtime, and in the evening. And it doesn't even have to be music related, but it needs to be something to do with you and your life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a free to use, it's a free platform. And what happens is if you use it strategically like that, so post in the morning, post in the afternoon, post in the evening, what you'll find is, and if you've ever gone to Instagram, the little figures at the top will slide across if they've just posted something. Right. And, if you, and if you continue to use that strategy of posting three times a day and be really personal with it, um, you'll grow your Instagram following, which in turn will grow your fan base as well. It's a nice little thing. It's, it's not easy to do. I'm not going to lie. It's really difficult to... to think of the content to post in order to do it but the way the social media platforms work is they want engagement they want yeah. people to stay on their platform so they can show them more advertising yeah. so you what you need to do is um use the tools available so like the polls feature ask questions um use all the features available to try and keep people on the platform try and do what the social platforms want you to do and they will yeah. give you a lot more exposure but making reels yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. I, I personally, at the moment, Reels is good, but um, concentrate on stories and posts first, I would yeah. say. Because Reels works if you've got a decent following. Yeah. It doesn't work as well if you haven't. So, yeah. yeah. From, from, my, from my tests, anyway, I don't know how you got on with it, Andy. I um, just played around with it. I tend to, when someone new comes on, I just play around with it a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, on Instagram, it is good to do that. Um, it's just that particular feature I think works well if you've got a, a decent following. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know if there is any. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, I was just to say thank you so much for chatting to me. No, no, appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on. I've uh, I've really enjoyed it, and I've probably spoken too much. And I do apologise about that. I'm quite passionate about marketing, so yeah. That's that's fine. That's what I wanted. I, um, <laughs> I, if you listen to my early podcast when it's just me talking, one of the reasons I wanted to have a podcast was to learn to speak slower and listen and let other people talk to bring value in. So that's what I've been trying to practice by doing this. And I still see episode, what, this week, episode 12. I'm just starting. Like Seth Godin said, if you're not, there's no point starting a podcast unless you're looking at a hundred, a hundred at least episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And it's so true. Listen to it for the first <laughs> Yeah. Patience. Uh, patience. I think patience is pretty interesting. Have, have you heard of a, a YouTuber called Marcus Brownlee? I don't know if I have. He does, uh, he's a, a black guy, American, uh, does tech reviews. Right. Um, he, I think, I don't know how many millions of uh, f- um, subscribers he's got now, but he, um, when he first started on his 100th video, I think he had 97 subscribers. So it just gives you an example of if you continue going day in, day out, plugging away, thing, good things will come, but it takes a lot of hard work and, and persistence. Hard work and patience. And yeah. Like you're working full time and I've got three kids in bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. And like I said, I mean, like we are now, I mean, what's the time? It's quite late at night. If you're not passionate about what you thought you're doing, you won't put the time in. Um, and if you don't put the time in, you just don't get any results. And that's how it works, unfortunately. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to virtually meet you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First time we've spoken. So, yeah, yeah. cool. Been, uh, I've enjoyed it, mate. Nice, nice one. So, uh, I'll speak to you again at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're on Twitter and we, we chat on Instagram and stuff as well. So, yeah, I shall see you then. Okay. Take care now, mate. Yeah. Cheers, Andy. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks again to Des for his time and his advice. Um, I would highly recommend following him on Twitter at Music Marketing A. Uh, he is again across all the social platforms. Um, I believe strongly that yes, he gives a huge amount of advice to musicians, but I think you could take that advice and apply it to any kind of message you have that you want to get out there. If you're an artist, if you're a chef, um, and you want to communicate with the world, I think that you can apply Des's advice. So thank you, Des. So that's it for this week's podcast. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, I would love you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and obviously follow myself, uh, Rebel Row, on Instagram. And also, I've just launched my first ever adventure into e-commerce, um, rebelrow.com. Uh, it's very small at the moment but I hope to build it by working with artists and photographers and creative people to build up a shop around my passions around music and art and photography and books Um, and if you could go there and take a look and give me feedback but until next time take care